It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. I once again welcome you to another State Planning Essentials program, tirelessly efforting to protect your family, your assets, and you. And I'm sitting with our, should be your, Dallas Elder Law Attorney, Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine, thank you. I'm cold. It's very cold. Uh, I'm sure you're cold, and uh, we need extra mittens and socks, I think, these days. I need Bernie Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he got some big good mittens over there, that's for sure. <laughs> well, I know we have, uh, we're talking about protection right now, and that's what you do for a living, and that is protect people. And you've got a, a day in the life of Michael Cohen with an amazing story that you told me before the program about what happens to people's assets when they do that crazy thing and not at least have some kind of will in place before they pass away. And you wanted to talk about that today. Yeah, I thought I would talk about this case. It was an actual case. The husband died uh, and he had less than 70. He had a life insurance policy that was worth less than 75,000. He had no will. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was survived by his wife uh, and they had two children together. Uh, and actually one of the children uh, was disabled. Okay, so it's a lot of different facts here. Mm-hmm. So first of all, I think what you have to say is, how oh, and how did they find out about this? Where did this come about? Because um, it was years later on a life insurance policy. The husband had named his mother as the beneficiary of his life insurance policy. Now, usually when you have a, a beneficiary designation, it just goes to whoever the beneficiary is. The first mistake that he made uh, was that uh, that he didn't have a contingent beneficiary. The second mistake he made was he didn't uh, change his beneficiary uh, after his mother died because his mother died before him. Got it. The third mistake he made was he didn't have any kind of estate planning. He had no will. Mm. So, so what ended up happening here is that somehow one of the, his children uh, was looking at the unclaimed funds through the state. You know, you could see if there's some money due to right. uh, a loved one. And lo and behold, the life insurance company had let it, it's called a cheat to the state, so if you don't claim your money, it goes to the state. Well, first of all, I think you've taught me years ago that wills are public documents, correct? That's what you mean by they could see well, the, the will? Well, if you probate a will, it becomes a matter of public record, but he had okay. no will at all. Oh, gotcha. Okay. His wife had done a, a what's called a pour-over will. She had a living trust. Mm-hmm. So usually when you have a living trust, or any trust for that matter, generally, or most trusts, 
uh, or many trusts. I shouldn't say most trusts because most people think of a revocable living trust, but there's lots of different types of trusts. But generally, when you do the type of trust that, that most people think about, you always have a will that says, if I forget something, it all goes according to my trust. I see. Okay. Uh, but, and then how much, let me, one other question real fast. The life okay. insurance company, how much time elapsed before they made that claim? I'm not sure, but oh. it must have been some period. It, it, it would take a long period of time before they do that. Right. And usually they would try to notify whomever it would be. You would think that, hey, if you don't do make it, you would think that they would notify somebody to say, look, if you don't do anything, it's going to go to the state. Right. And for whatever reason, um, I'm not really sure what transpired as far as the insurance company because the husband died years ago and okay. uh, and nobody did anything uh, or checked or uh, I don't know if they didn't know about the life insurance policy or maybe it had been done a long, long, long time ago. Uh, you know, a lot of times when um, sometimes people used to plan and maybe they still do where they buy the parent buys a life insurance policy owned by the child because the child was like a lower tax bracket or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they named the parent as the, uh, as the beneficiary. Uh, and that's probably what happened, but I haven't seen the policy and don't know how old it is. So it wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprising if it was done, you know, 70 years ago right. and, and, uh, or more. Right. And, and when the kid was a child and they just never knew about the life insurance policy because the grandparent of the children, uh, of his children, that is, mm-hmm. uh, had probably bought it many, many, many years ago, named herself as in, additional, as insured, if, if, or not insured, as the beneficiary of a policy of her child. Wow. I bet that happens a lot, don't you think, Michael? People just yeah. don't even realize what they've done? Yeah, it probably yeah. does. And so, uh, so in this case, but the, somehow the kids kind of looked at the unclaimed funds, and they saw that there was this life insurance policy where dad was supposed to be uh, the, was actually supposed to be the beneficiary. Mm-hmm. So it may have been the other way around. But in any event, dad mm-hmm. was the, not, well, he couldn't have been a beneficiary. He, he would have to be, he was the uh, owner. That's right. He was the owner of the policy, and mom, his mother, uh, was the beneficiary. Okay. okay. So, so he had no will. So, but the life insurance policy, uh, the first thing that you should note is that the life insurance policy did have a, value of less than 75000 mm. Now, the reason why that is important is because uh, other than assuming that there are no debts that had to be paid, Dad died years ago, that if the uh, estate is less than 75000 in Texas, you could do, uh, of course, what we're talking about, every state's laws are different. In Texas, there's a thing called a small estate affidavit. Mm-hmm. It's something that you could file with the court, and the court approves the order. Of course, you have to have all the requirements of the law before you do it. So, um, uh, so what are those requirements? Uh, well, it has to. It can't be filed within 30 days of the person's death. It must be in the county where the person uh, resided at the time of their death. It, there has to be no will. If you have a mm-hmm. will. You can't. You can't do this if you have a will. Interesting. Uh, there has to be no need for what's called administration. You have to list all the assets, uh, anything from, uh, you know, any kind of um, uh, personal property. It's usually like bank accounts or, in this case, a life insurance policy. Um, 
a homestead is excluded, but it's limited uh, if the it has to have somebody it'd be their homestead after the person died. So mm-hmm. you know, normally, if you have so if you have a surviving spouse, for example, that would still usually be that person's homestead. Or if you had a minor child that was uh, survived, then that might be that person's homestead. But if you named a child and they're not living uh, at the home, that would not be considered their homestead, and so uh, it would could be a problem. Uh, because it's likely that the home, uh, well, first of all, it would not now, all of a sudden, it wouldn't be an exempt resource. So if that home was more than 75000 then there would be uh, a problem as far as the small estates affidavit. And then you also have to list all the uh, debts, and then you have to, and you have to have more, it doesn't make sense if you had more debts than you had assets. So you wouldn't do this, and you'd have to have more assets than debts on this. Uh, you would have to uh, say if the person is single or if they were married, because, of course, Texas is a community property state. And so how you divide things, uh, each asset has to be listed. And they have to say is um, when, when you know, whether it's community or separate property. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and so what is separate property? Just to, for, for those who are not familiar, if you have either a pre- or post-nuptial agreement, uh, then that could be, you know, you divide things up and say what's separate property. Or if you have an inheritance, that would be separate property. Or if you had, uh, let's say, you got in a personal injury accident, then those funds would be considered separate property. That is important to note for a small state's affidavit in order because when you do, you not only have to list it, but then you also will make a difference on how things are distributed. Because, of course, if you don't have a will, then you have to go by the state's, basically, will, and that is by their laws, and then that gets into a lot of complications. And that really, and I could go over a few of those things if you want, because it makes a difference if it's separate or if it's um, community property. So, for example, on personal property, what's personal property? Personal property is like your stuff uh, or or your or your bank accounts or whatever it may be, um, but not r- real property is considered real estate. And that would generally mm-hmm. be your homestead. Okay. So if you had if you were married and you had let's say children or other descendants, and you had separate property, then on the separate personal property, not the homestead, the one third would go to the surviving spouse, and two thirds would go to the children. So you hmm. you would say, oh, I thought everything would go. No, not if it's yeah. separate property. Wow. Separate property. Remember, when you don't make a when you don't do your own planning, you go by the state's rules. Right now, if you had real estate, let's say a homestead, the surviving spouse would have a right to live in the home with a one third what's called life estate, and the children children would take equally. Um, subject to the life estate, the one-third interest in the life estate. Now, if it were, so let's say the husband had inherited a home or whatever, uh, the wife would have a right to live in the home, uh, but for her life, but she would not, um, uh, if they were to sell the home, uh, the children would get two-thirds of the proceeds. And that's assuming that she stayed in the home. Okay. That's if it was a separate, if that was separate property. Now, if it was community property, so if all the, I know this gets kind of convoluted here. Remember, separate property, we just defined it. Community property is they 
bought things together during marriage, and it was all from funds earned during marriage, then if the children were all born of the same marriage, then on community property, everything goes to the spouse. Okay. Unless it was, unless, <laughs> unless it was before 1993, there were different <laughs> okay. laws uh, way back then. And so it gets different uh, yeah. uh, way back when. And again, these are the convoluted things of the state's laws when you don't mm-hmm. have a will. If, okay. you're, if, if you didn't have children and you had separate uh, personal property, separate personal property, again, the bank accounts, whatever. Uh, so if you didn't have any descendants, then it would go all to the surviving spouse. Okay. But that's yeah. not the same as if they had stepchildren, correct? That's a whole different Right. Now, this is just, it has to be, you know, blood. blood. Okay, yeah, gotcha. Right, right. Now, if you had separate real property, so let's say you had, had uh, inherited real estate or you bought mar- uh, property prior to marriage, mm-hmm. uh, then if you if the person who died was survived by their mother and father, uh, one-fourth would go to the mother, one-fourth would go to the father, and one-half would go to the surviving spouse. If one of those parents had died, then still one-half would go to the surviving spouse, and one-fourth would go to the surviving parent, and one-fourth would go to the surviving siblings, surviving siblings. Hmm. So let's say you, so, so you Don, uh, although I know you're engaged, uh, if you, God forbid, died today and you had separate property, uh, right now, I know you're, both your parents are still alive, so mm-hmm. they would each get one quarter. But if one of them had predeceased you, uh, one half, one quarter of uh, the part that one, the parents that would have died, would come to your surviving sibling, siblings, okay. as opposed to, um, uh, as opposed to you know what you may have wanted. Okay. Um, now, if, of course, if there's, if there's, um, um, but if there are no surviving siblings. So let's say you didn't have any brothers or sisters, mm-hmm. then one half would go to your surviving parent and one half would go to your surviving spouse. Amazing. Uh, I mean, it's just so, and I, I keep on going on that. I think maybe I should touch, tell you if there were, if it was community property, if you're married and you didn't have chil- children, mm-hmm. it would just all go to the surviving spouse. Now, if you're not married um, uh, and you have children, then it's going to just go all to your children. Mm. Now, but if you don't, have any children, then, uh, uh, and you are not married, then one half would go, of course, to your your parents, your one half to parent mom and one half to dad. And if, of course, if one of them died, uh, then similar to the time of distribution we had before, one half would go to the surviving parent and one half would go to your surviving brothers or sisters. Um, and if there are no surviving siblings, then it's all going to go to the surviving parent. And of course, um, if the decedent isn't survived by any parent, but is survived by siblings or they have descendants, then it would go down the line to that, that sibling's children, so nieces or nephews or whatever. So it's, it's kind. Of, so the bottom line is you have to put all this type of relationships in the small estates affidavit as part of it, uh, because again, if you don't have a will, you go by the state's law. In this case. The there there was a surviving spouse, but we got one more problem. Now the surviving spouse is dead. <laughs> ah, yes, and that is a problem. Uh, all of this, I'm glad that there can't be a test because I'm not going to take it on what happens uh, in all these situations. So so I'm walking out of the room if you start to test me on all of this. But that's why we have people like you 
to make sure you know what happens because there's a lot of dominoes in these scenarios and and who knows what's going to really happen other than people like you. And this is why I highly admonish and have for years and the listeners of this program to attend your next workshop so they can ask more specific questions and you can elaborate on some of these concepts that you present in your program. So that next workshop for you to attend via Zoom, which means online, of course, because it's a virtual workshop, Mike's not doing them in person yet, is on Tuesday, March the 2nd, at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and you simply sign up online, uh, a couple clicks, and you're there for the Zoom call on that Tuesday the 2nd at 1 o'clock. And you get to go around. Michael goes around the virtual room, basically, uh, pointing out each individual and saying, what question do you have, what question do you have? And he answers them live on the spot. And uh, I don't know if there's any time where Michael can't answer them, and if he can't, he'll tell you that. But it's really beneficial, educational, and it's free. What else can you say about the workshops, Michael? Yeah, I mean, really, first of all, we ask people what they want to know. We'll have some some uh, presentation. Uh, it has been one of the things that we always ask people is how do we improve to make their experience a better experience. Good. And so now we have some presentation, but we really ask people what is it they want to know. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't I don't go around the the Zoom room and say, okay, what's your particular question? We mm-hmm. just ask you. So, you, so if you don't want to be seen or, or heard, that's fine. Mm-hmm. With anybody else, and you usually learn something that way as well. But mm-hmm. we ask people what they want to know so mm-hmm. that their time is well spent. And even if we didn't go into as much detail uh, of that free estate planning essentials workshop, then uh, we give them a free vision meeting. In other words, uh, the the exact the workshop that is is uh, for two hours, and you get a free one-on-one vision meeting if you would like, either in person or by Zoom, whatever is convenient for you, so that your questions are answered and to make sure that you have protected your loved ones the way you want under your own terms and conditions. Uh, to attend the free estate planning essentials workshop, all you have to do is call 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. Or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com. And then you'll have that opportunity to get three free hours of legal education without any obligation. I should also mention, you know, you, you, you know, you're as you said, this is kind of convoluted with all the different things of the state's laws. Uh, we do have podcasts, so you don't have to memorize uh, all this. Uh, uh, you just go, you know, so if you wanted to listen to our podcast, all you have to do is uh, look at our website at that DallasElderLawyer.com. We're on iTunes and, uh, uh, you know, all of Spotify and, uh, you know, all the different types of platforms that can you can listen to very easily. Uh, so feel free to listen to a podcast. Actually, our next newsletter, by the way, Don, you might find it interesting in our February newsletter. We're going to have the top uh, top five podcast of 2020. Great. Uh, so, uh, so stay tuned. Um, mm-hmm. We saw that in our January newsletter, uh, which we had the top, uh, I think, five or six articles, that that was a very popular thing. Uh, we, we write an article. We, I write four or five articles each uh, month uh, on different topics, and uh, whether it be estate planning or Medicaid or veterans benefits, uh, anything to do with this, you know, the estate planning world or public benefits world. 
And so um, anyway, a lot of those things that we even talk about on these podcasts are in articles as well. Great. I'm glad to hear that. Um, I know the audience is glad to hear that, too. So uh, you're talking about a Dallas client of yours and and how they came to you this week regarding uh, the fact that there was no will and all the repercussions of that. So we've got about seven minutes or so. Why don't you lay it all out for us and then give us the arch moral of this scary story as well? You know, so the first thing we just talked about is if you don't have a will and your state is under uh, 75,000, there is a way to do what's called a small state's affidavit in order. And by the way, each county and each court a lot of times does things a little bit differently. So it's mm-hmm. interesting that there, the rules might be a little bit different. Some people might want a death certificate. It's always got to be sworn to by not only all the distributees, the ones who are supposed to get the assets, all the heirs, in other words. Um, they, uh, if there's somebody, it could be a problem if there's a missing heir. Uh, or if somebody was minor or incapacitated, plus you have to have two disinterested people uh, sign the uh, say all that stuff is true as well. So it's mm-hmm. a lot of it, so you have to go by the rules, and it's not quite as easy as you might think. Uh, but uh, the insurance company should accept that. But one of the other problems is uh, we talked about was it all goes to the surviving spouse, and now she's dead. Yeah. So so she mm-hmm. she thought that she was probably okay because she had put all her assets in a living trust. The whole Mm -hmm. idea was to avoid probate. When you have a revocable trust, or sometimes an irrevocable trust for that matter, but uh, sometimes people put their assets in irrevocable trust to avoid probate, but generally most people think of a revocable trust where you could always revoke it or amend it to avoid going to court. But when you have uh, when you do a revocable trust, as we alluded to earlier, you usually have a will just in case, just in case that there was a screw-up. There was a screw-up. So uh, in this case, she put all of her assets into the trust. Now, luckily, she had a what we call a pour, like you pour, like you uh, move from what pitcher, uh, you, a pour over will. A will says everything goes to my trust. Mm-hmm. So that way, the uh, the when they get the insurance proceeds, it goes to her by her will, which then would go according to the terms of her trust. Okay. All right. So now the problem with the small estates affidavit also is now that she's deceased, uh, then you have to have somebody that's authorized to represent her estate. So that means you probate the will and get like letters testamentary. That's the authority to act on behalf of the estate. And so then after that will is probated, the funds from the insurance go to the trust. And by the way, what do we do inside the trust? There were two children, one which we wanted to protect from creditors and bad marriages and spouses that they should remarry. In other words, they're no good son-in-law or daughter-in-law. And the other was a trust because one of the children was disabled and Mm -hmm. we didn't want to lose public benefits. If the Mm -hmm. money had just gone directly to the, let's say the life insurance had just said the children, uh, equally, well, then that, that child who was disabled, first of all, they probably couldn't handle things, and second of all, it would have jeopardized their valuable Medicaid benefits. So here, it you would have to probate the will first, so there's a representative, then you would have to do the small estates affidavit and have to put in all the information required, whatever county uh, that that person was located, and so there's different rules, so maybe from Dallas to Tarrant County, for example. And then, um, uh, now that you've probated the will and you have letters testamentary, 
the uh, the funds would go from the insurance company for, to payable to uh, the estate of the wife, uh, and then the uh, wife's estate, the executor, would then put the proceeds to the trust, to the trustee of that trust, and then from the trustee of that trust, the life insurance pathway is going to go to the child who needs to be protected from lawsuits and bad marriages and spouses remarrying, and the other half would go to a disability trust to protect that person uh, from losing public benefits. All for a small life insurance policy because somebody didn't have a uh, just didn't even have a simple will. Uh, people say, "Well, geez, it's going to go. Things are going to just go to my spouse or family." Well, not exactly. Not exactly. We talked yeah. about the state's laws and all those convoluted uh, ways that things go. It says if it's separate property, it's a community property, and and so it's really uh, quite. Uh, a little bit more complicated, and this was just over a small amount. I know. You know, it's it's just, it's a shame. You know, it's just a shame that um, we wish that. You know, a lot of times we don't want to think about death, and so maybe we just don't do a will, or maybe we don't do any kind of planning. But uh, how do you think the kids feel right now? <laughs> yeah. Uh, about you know about that. So Michael's job is to prevent triggers and establish others to protect your assets. In order to make sure he does that for you, attend his next workshop, which is Tuesday, March the 2nd at 1 p.m. Dial 214-720-0102, or go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com. Dallas Elder Law Attorney Michael Cohen, thank you, sir. Thank you, Don. A leading estate planner practicing law in Dallas, Texas for decades now, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the estate planning laws that can affect your family and you. The first step is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214 214- Seven two zero zero one zero two. That's two one four seven two zero zero one zero two. A talk show host on seven seventy KAAM for six years, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it is done your way and sign up for his next workshop today 